Hello, everyone, and welcome to Police Off the Cuff After Hours. This is Real Crime Stories. I'm your host, Bill Cannon. I'm a retired 27-year veteran of the NYPD. I retired out of Manhattan North Homicide Squad. And with me tonight is, of course, the all-star cast that I try to bring to this show as often as, as often as I can. And straight out of Brooklyn, below me in the in the box here is Phil Grimaldi. How are you doing tonight, Phil? Pretty good, Billy. How are you? I'm doing pretty well. I'm just uh, full of expectation of what to expect from this show. I never know when we have the guy to your left, Joe Murray, on the show, what's going to come out of his mouth at 6.50 an hour. <laughs> hey, Joe. <laughs> and I don't mean $6.50. I mean $650. <laughs> That's, That's what I'm worried about. Life in this day and age. That's reasonable. I know these are, these attorneys are killing it. You know. I, I'm just so happy to be here. I I got to tell you, Bill, Phil, I, I am such a fan of the show. I spend all my off duty time on the comment section. So <laughs> great to be. And then here. and you're not getting you're not getting paid to do that either. Yeah. <laughs> and great in our in our upper right, we have the superstar from Midwest EquiSearch. Dave Rader. Dave, welcome to the show. So great to have you here. Appreciate it for having me on your, uh, your, your show, Bill. You know, welcome, so many Dave. people, so many people wanted to uh, see you come back because this case has so many damn unanswered questions. It's just, it's unbelievable. I mean, I see, you see these chats and some of the questions are good and some of them are redundant. Some of them have been asked a million times before, but the questions about, a lot of people had questions about the canines, for example. And wh wh why don't you open up with that, you know, the, the use of a bloodhound, the use of the regular dogs, and, and specifically what you found in this case. All right. So as far as the dogs are concerned, I mean, I consider them as a tool. Um, I don't rely on them solely on, on, on dogs. Uh, I personally have not had um, good luck with dogs, but again, I will always use a dog if it's available to call it in just as that tool. So in this case, when they reported her actually walking away from the house, um, immediately, I, I believe that they would have called in a, uh, a live scent tracking dog, uh, which means that they would have uh, secured uh, the, uh, the, the handler would have actually went into the house got something that was specifically just from her as far as for a scent. They sent that individual, uh, they, 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 they sent the dog up. And then at that point in time, the dog should trail the very last, um, the, the very last uh, thing that this individual did. So if it if she walked away from that house, that bloodhound should pick up that scent and, and trail right to where that, uh, that individual went. So the fact that the scent went down to the end of the road and stopped, is there a problem with that? Do you think, you know, that could either be two things, you know, that's when she left her trail stopped because she was in the car and she left that house or she got into a, a, a vehicle. But I've also seen live track dogs that as you're going down the road, you should be able to pick up a direction of travel from that uh, from that vehicle because the cells are still because the car's not not airproof. It's not it's it's it, there's there's plenty of holes in it to where it is still letting that scent out from what I've been told. 
So it should have given us, just stopping there, it should have given us a right or a left um, indication as far as what direction uh, do the searchers or what direction do we need to concentrate on. Dave, I just want to read back to you a statement you made, uh, maybe it was a week ago, two weeks ago, on Duty Run's show, and I was on the show, and I thought this was the most telling statement that you made in the whole time that, that I met you. And you said, a stranger abduction, considering where this house is, does not make sense. The odds of that happening are slim to none. If she wandered away, one of the family dogs would have went with her. Do you still believe that? I still think that, you know, your your own pet would would still follow you. Um, that's that's my belief. I, I think that if the dog is as close to those kids um, as, if, you know, they live in the same house, nine times out of ten, if you have eight dogs, one of them is going to follow follow one of those kids if they leave the property. That's there, was thir- there was 13 dogs. 13 dogs. So even better. Your, your odds are increased by... You know, the kids play with the dogs. You know how they get attached, and, and the dogs get attached to that individual. So I think personally, um, how many cases have we heard that, you know, when, when a child does go go missing, um, I've heard of several different uh, occasions where the dog was found with the lost child. So uh, to me, again, I am still I'll still stand by my word as far as I don't think that it was a stranger abduction just because of where it was. Uh, and I do believe that one of those 13 dogs uh, probably would have followed followed her uh, into the end if she another, was home. And another again, thing I'm, another thing I wanted to ask was the day you got there, I had asked you how well was it organized? Was it very well organized? And you indicated when I asked you that a couple of weeks ago that it was, in fact, very well organized and you were given a certain geographic area to search. Do you, do you stand with that today also? Absolutely. Absolutely. Like I said, it, you know, they had, they had everything marked as far as what they were, what areas that you were going to. I mean, that area was saturated, Bill. I mean, that thing was just absolutely... It's almost like they set up this perimeter. Uh, and again, if a child is in these, ter- you know, again, the terrain was uh, horrendous. I mean, um, you know, we were on hills that a damn Billy Goat wouldn't be able to sit there and, and traverse. So um, for this child, especially when I got there, she was reported missing on Tuesday. Um, I was down there on late Saturday night. So my first boots on the ground was that Sunday. So we're looking at about five days and, and, and they're still surrounding this house. Again, my belief is, is that with as hot as it was, you're, you're talking, um, you know, in the nineties and a lot of people again don't understand that even though that you're under this canopy of the woods, it's even worse under there because there's no air movement. So then you couple that with there was, uh, she had no food, no water. So this tile was in dire straits when I would, when I hit the ground on Sunday uh, or even before that. So she's either not moving very well or she's, she's somewhere just staying put because she doesn't have the energy. And I feel in my heart of hearts, and what I've been, what I've seen, and what I've experienced just through my journeys, there's no way in hell a thousand people would have missed this girl 
in, uh, in this scenario, the way that they saturated this area. I, I just don't, if, if somebody missed her, I, I, I'd like to know how in the hell that happened. You know, Dave, and then that takes us back to what we all felt was uh, quite unusual, and that's the interview of Candace and Don, which we all, everyone that sees that doesn't feel good about watching that interview. Phil, you've seen it a number of times, correct? Absolutely. You want to give a few comments on the interview? I mean, I could play a little bit of it if you think that would. Uh, you know what? I, I want I want to comment something to Dave first with regard to the dog. Sure. Maybe play it. How's that go? Um, Dave, sure. first, I just want to say thank you so much for your. Uh, the the the, uh, the group of people that you're with, all the volunteers. I think it's a tremendous asset for law enforcement and for you know missing and uh, missing people and people that are uh, you know out there someplace. Uh, Midwest Equus uh, Search and uh, you and Tim Miller. I just want to say thank you. It's really really uh, great to be part of uh, such a professional uh, group of people. And uh, the work you're doing on this case and all the other cases. Thank you again. Um, real quick, with the dogs, did you get a sense when you got down there? Well, well, one, I wanted to know, the dogs, do they have like a time frame attached to when that scent would dissipate? Like I know that um, from the little bit of experience that I had with dogs, it would be the dogs would be on the scene relatively quickly. Like if someone, we were chasing a perpetrator, he got into the woods, let's say, the dogs would be there relatively quickly. And this thing, there was probably a, a, a couple of hour time frame that I think might have uh, gone between the time when the police were called and, you know, from when she was actually missing to the time the dogs got there. Does that play into this uh, scenario at all? I think any time that you can, that you don't get on something right away, again, you're, you're, things are starting to degrade as, as, as time goes on. And I think the, the the quicker that you can be called in, that the quicker that you can sit there and and rally the troops and surround and saturate, the better off you are. Now, with a uh, a live track, I've heard that after about four days to five days, you're starting to lose that scent. Now, with cadaver, uh, on the other hand, um, that scent is always going to probably be there if the dog is trained highly enough to where it's just centered on the decomp. But it also again, would probably uh, ramp up as decomposition uh, goes, moves forward, especially in hot weather, the, the, the sense would probably get stronger. So. I yeah. I mean, you're probably not de decomp starts immediately upon death. Right. Um, but you're absolutely right, Phil, as far as the, um, as the hot days went on, um, you know, we should have been able after day five and that kind of heat, uh, you should have had some sort of, of odor. And, and I'll, I'll tell you another thing that kind of threw me is, and, and, and people don't understand, but actually turkey buzzards. We, we actually go off of turkey buzzards because that's a good indicator of death in itself. Right. And I don't want to sit there and get too graphic, but I want to be real with people also. Sure. You know, and, and to be honest with you, we had no vulture activity after day five or six and that is that is um that's usually not not a good indication that something's dead in and around that area dave did you get any sense or an indication i know you were present with law enforcement when you got there and it sounds like it was a very organized search but what i'm looking for is maybe was there a direction that they thought all right we're going to be in this area did they narrow down a search area or was it just go from the house and just work your way out 
So basically what they did, Phil, is is they had the house. Now, I don't know what was done at the house, but I can tell you the grid pattern that I seen from the incident command from inside and the mapping that they were doing and where they were sending us is, is that everything in and around that house um, for two, I, I would have to say probably a two mile radius around that house was saturated. So okay. I mean, you know, then there was then there was the thought that uh, on that Saturday night that I got into town, which would have been four days prior after she went missing, is that somebody said that they found a footprint. Now I don't know the truth about that, but they had TBI, FBI. Uh, they had some of the locals there uh, late at night. Uh, I got into I got into town about eleven o'clock, and they were still searching until about one, two o'clock in the morning, from what I understand, because they had they they went under the assumption is that oh hell maybe if she was abducted, they're seeing all of this go down. They dropped her back off in near the woods, and that she was now walking the woods by herself. So then they they again they set up this. Uh, this good perimeter around there and just kind of worked our way more towards the house to, to create that, that funnel effect. Okay. And, and we, we, I mean, we followed creeks. Um, there, there wasn't a damn stone unturned. I, I can't imagine. It sounds like the, the initial search was concentrated close to the home, I guess with the belief that either she was she had wandered off or she was somewhere close. That's basically what you're telling me. I mean, if, if we analyze what you just said. Right. So so basically what you do in a search scenario is, is that if the mother, in, in this case, Candace, sits there and says, hey, my daughter walked away, you always go from the point last seen. Sure. And you and you just saturate the piss out of that area. Um, and, and again, it is, as the investigation goes on, that's when things start to turn that you might have to shift your, your search strategy, per se, uh, to, to expanding that circle, depending on the scenario and, and, and what the investigation uh, points and leads to. You know, did, you James, change, did you see a change in posture when you went back like what I think was like two weekends ago, like the posture of the investigation, so to speak, did they seem like they were, you know, going in a different direction? You know, to be honest with you, Phil, I didn't talk to any law enforcement. My only contact was through text, which was uh, with Tim Coop, okay. um, which was the incident commander. That was my point of contact because I thought that he was still the guy to go to. Uh, he cleared everything. I took my people down there. Um, I kind of went off of my own theory about uh, about a timeline. I have no, I, I don't have any kind of timeline from TBI, FBI, Hawkins County Sheriff's Office, uh, Tim Coop. I don't have anything except what I know is is that the point of last seen physically outside of a family member telling us so is when they dropped that uh, that they they dropped the fifteen year old. Hunter off at his house, and you have a picture of her in the back seat with her head against milk. That's to me is my point of last seen physically outside of that that homestead. If that makes any sense. Well, you know, Dave, we always uh, sort of conjectured, and all that really is is conjecture right now that she never made it back to the house. And I believe that. I believe she never made it back to the house. Absolutely. Uh, that's, that's what I went off of. 
Giovanni, uh, Giovanna Arioli from Hawaii. Dave Rader, you're so awesome. We have a lot of Dave Rader fans here, you know, in, in the chat. All the way from Diane Fields, thank you for the $10 super chat. Um, why wouldn't you be a Dave Rader fan? Because of uh, all the amazing work they do. Wings of Hope, thank sure. you for the $2 super sticker. Um, you know, I just want to, you know, to me, the, the, the case, the most important part of this whole case is the um, is the interview, and and I, I want to just show that interview, uh, which was available, of course, very early on in the investigation, and I just want to play that now. I know she didn't walk away from this property by herself or off this yard, by her swing. I feel in my heart that somebody has came up here and took her has lured her away from here. Me and my mother and her were planting flowers. And we went in after we got done washing our hands and she got a piece of candy from grandma and she wanted to go back over and see her brothers. And I said, okay. And I walked her all the way over to the porch and I watched her walk into the kitchen where the boys were watching TV. And I told the boys, I said, watch summer i'll be back and within two minutes i came back and i asked the boys where their sister was and they said she went downstairs mom to play with her toys in the playroom i said okay and i yelled downstairs for her a couple times and they didn't get no answer which was unusual because usually she always answers me and so i went down there to check and she was nowhere in sight she was just gone. I don't go on walks around here or runs because I'm scared of the bears and snakes and even the coyotes that are around here. Well, whoever has my daughter, I pray and hope that they have not harmed her and they bring her back to us safe and sound. It just turned, I mean, go to the FBI, the police, and uh, clear it up. And then, I don't know, it seems kind of elusive. It's really strange that I've never seen this truck and I've never heard of it until just recently. But I wish they would come forward and explain themselves. I mean, if you're not a suspect, at least come forward and say what you've seen. She was a tomboy. I shaved my head. She wanted to have her head shaved like me and the boys did. She tried to shave her head. She tried in to the shave her head and, herself. and make it. Uh... I think you can see it in some of the pictures and it was getting out of control. So she, we decided to shave her head off and let it grow back long. And she shaved her head to, to, so she wouldn't feel bad. And, uh, but that's, that's where I think that we all, that's, that's the fruit, the meat and potatoes of this case is that interview. Because I mean, Anyone that has any experience in law enforcement or interviewing and interrogating people can just see the deception screaming out from both of them. Uh, I'm going to let the attorney, Joe Murray, uh, let him weigh in on this because I, I know he's dying to say something. Yes, I, uh, I got to tell you, Bill, you know, I've said it several times <clears throat> about Candace just being a bad witness. 
I don't care if I walked up on a car accident and she witnessed the whole thing and I tried to interview her, I guarantee you I would get, I would, I would have such a hard time pulling the facts out of her and they would be unreliable. So I don't think it's intentional that she sounds that way. I also want to say about Dave, you know, with somebody with his history and his background and his criminal record and his sex abuse allegations, don't you think that person is gonna, just having that in their head, be paranoid that people will be thinking he's guilty and, and react differently? I don't think you're gonna get the same interview if he was 100% being honest. I still don't think you would get the same the observations you're making here, I think you're going to find that with somebody that's got baggage, they're not going to come across credibly, whether they are telling the truth or not. I, I just think these are two very damaged people that we really can't put great weight into their appearance of uh, that we would compare any normal. Yeah, I mean, we totally agree with that because... Um, their demeanor, just you know, you the way you would expect people to to react. So here's, here's one thing I want to say about that interview, and I just now caught that Bill is that she she was only gone for two minutes. So if what she is saying that this this individual came up wherever, only had two minutes to lure her away, correct? That's right. Because, because she she walked her to the front door, told the kids to watch her. So by the time that she would have even went downstairs, I, I mean, that's probably a minute and a half. And then she came right back and somebody, I mean, in the, in, in the perimeter of that house, you can pretty much see everything because it's open until you get to past the driveways, the circular driveway, and then it's woods. So that doesn't even make sense to me with, I mean, you know, Joe, Phil, I mean, what do you guys think? She She's full of baloney. I, 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 I was going to say she's full of something else, but she's full of baloney. She didn't walk uh, Summer back to the house. There's no reason. It's about a 20-yard difference. That's absolutely 100% a self-serving statement, in my opinion. The second thing I wanted to say is, there's two things about that video clip that Bill played. And I noticed them before, but I really focused in on them now. She talks about, in the first couple of words, she says, there's no way that Summer uh, walked away from this property. She's talking in absolutes. Now, I know it's a that, it video, uh, that um, interview wasn't done right away. But if you look at that, she's talking about 100%. She's positive that she didn't walk away from the property. And number two, when uh, the camera goes on, Don, he says, well, you know, I guess we kind of, we got to let the FBI figure it out. He's too a matter of factly. He's not looking at the camera. He's looking away. Those two things strike out at me. Like if I was the person doing the interview, that would raise me up those two things. And I think that a lot of the story that they're giving and the stuff that they're saying now, based on the fact that the kids, the other children were taken away, they know the focus is on them. The media has been all over them. And I'm sure that they've been interrogated. So I think that anything that they say from 
you know, two weeks into this thing forward is going to have self-serving statements. And a lot of the interviews that we saw, there were several interviews with both of them. And you could just pick out the things that they're saying that are just not true. I doubt very highly if she was going through all of this stuff and, you know, they went and they did this, they did that. They were all over the place with the mother in the hospital, the emergency room, the drugstore, all the, the watering hole, swimming, all that. She comes back to the house and they're going to play with flowers or plant flowers by the mother's trailer that's 20 yards from the door. She's going to go walk somewhere over. She's trying to say that it's a self-serving statement that I'm a good mother and I made sure she went in the house. Bullshit in plain English. I don't buy it. All right. Let me just throw this at, to follow up on what you're saying, because, Phil, I do agree. I think that statement, I call it CPS bias. They know CPS is watching them. I don't know how long that case has been open and active, but they know that everything they say is going to be scrutinized by CPS. Now, even if this was an abduction, She's not going to say, just for self-preservation, I'll tell you why. She's not going to say, oh, when I got home, I went in, I took some of the pills with my mother, and we passed out for two hours, and then when I come up, I noticed her gone. She's never going to say that. And the biggest motivation for her to lie about that, even though we're talking about searching for her daughter, is that the other kids are going to be yanked so fast if she was honest about what happened. So I think we call that CPS bias because everything she's saying is to protect herself with the other kids. Now, here's another thing I want to throw out because this came out in the comments and I love that we're talking about it. People were commenting on, okay, usually she gives these one word answers you know, she's like, what did you do the rest of the day? Just regular stuff. You know, it was just pulling it out of her. Don't forget, she's already been interviewed by law enforcement. We got TBI, we have the FBI. Now, you know, during an interview, Phil, you talk about this all the time, locking down that statement getting a good, solid interview with a lot of facts. So she says, when I got home, I walked in to, to grandma, and then she went over to the house. The follow-up question would be, okay, did you see her going to the house? Uh, yeah, I did see her going to How did you see her going to the house? Well, I waited until she walked across and then went up the stairs. Well, wh who was home? The boys were. How do you know the boys were? Oh, because I walked halfway there and I saw them through the door. You see what I'm saying? Like, this probably came about. Joe, we're getting a lot of echo on your uh, mic. Uh, oh, people in the Joe, chat are uh, a great deal of. Dave, I got a quick question for you, Dave. The, the amount of distance, I said it was about 20 yards between Grandma's trailer and that door that she went in. Would you say that that's about correct? About 20 yards? Does that sound right? Uh, I, I, absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's okay. not that far. Okay. It's definitely, it's, definitely, it's definitely a spot to where you wouldn't have to. Again, here's my thing is, is why did she have to walk her to the door? Right. And again, it, you and Joe hit, hit, hit the nail on the head. It's self-preservation. Trying to sit there and make herself look like mother of the year. When, you know, why would she sit there and go to that extreme? to make sure that Summer got 20, 30 feet 
from you know from her into the uh, the front door. She made sure that the boys were going to watch her, and then she made she she made sure of all this, but yet the girl's missing. So she took every precaution, according to her, to to to, to make sure that she was a safe and sound. But yet she still came up missing. How does that happen? Yeah. There's many things about their statements. Now, me as an investigator, and Bill, I'm sure you're going to agree with me. Maybe you could add to what I'm about to say. When I get statements from a person like Candace or Don, and it involves a missing five-year-old kid, and those statements are going to be corroborated by us doing follow-ups with, I would, I said this before, I would do... Uh, if I have to do in-person interviews to the places they went, that would be one thing. And I would get information. Did you see them? Then I would look at cell phones. Cell phones give you exact information on location when calls are made, pictures are taken. That's vital in this investigation. Vital. That's one of many th components of this investigation that we're talking about. But all of those things now, they make the statement, I was home. I went here. I went there. I went there. I came back. I was with my mother. I saw someone going to the house. She's missing. Now, I would take apart every word of what she said and corroborate it. And then I would systematically impeach each one of the things that she said that I can by doing the follow-ups. And then she's back in the box. And then even the little things about you're lying about that you walked her to. Why would you walk her? I would get that way. I would say, why did you walk her to the door? There's no reason. You were 20 yards away. And once you get her on one line, you get the thing, the flow going. I see Bill shaking his head. This is the way that you get somebody to tell you the truth. Correct? Bill? You know, Phil, Phil, someone said in the chat, how are we going to get Candace and Don to tell the truth? And the way we're going to get them to tell the truth is through evidence, finding evidence that proves 100% that they're lying. And that's how we're going to get them to tell the truth. Other than that, you know, all the, so many people are believing their crocodile tears at them pointing fingers at this person, pointing fingers, oh, they're besmirching us. No, you've done that yourself. You know, with with the way you present yourself and the way you live your life, that's you know, no one's no one's like picking on you. You you got a five year old daughter who's missing. Half the world's looking for her. Half the world is praying that she's recovered alive. So when they start with that, oh, woe is me stuff. You know, we got folks out there. You got to understand, we're the, we're the real police. You know, and we did this for a living, and we did hundreds and hundreds of homicides, shootings. Robberies. We we investigated every type of crime. We've seen the best liars on earth, liars that could make any could make a nun believe them. You know, and believe me, we we've seen it all. And, and so when I see the interview with Don and Candace, it screams out at me like I am lying. You know, liars, <laughs> serial killers, cold-blooded murderers. And I've looked into the eyes of the devil, and I've said this before on, on several occasions, and there's a lot of things that are jumping out in this case. I think that if there was some type of an abduction, or which I don't think is even on the map anymore, it's not even on the radar screen as being possible, something would have came about with that. Uh, you know, the fact that there was, you know, she wasn't found, her remains weren't found is obviously imperative to the case, but there's a lot of things that I, I would have been drilling down on early on in this case. And I don't know, just, I'm hoping that these things are being done behind the scenes since we don't have, you know, access to the case folder, but, uh, 
you know, anybody that I said this before, and I'm going to say it again. If I piss somebody off looking for a five-year-old girl and I'm not going to get a Christmas card, I'm okay with that because my <laughs> goal is to try and find what happened to little Summer Wells. And it, it could be Summer Wells or any, any other case. Even if it's, listen, I've st stood over dead bodies of drug dealers, known drug dealers that were bad guys. And we went at the people that were responsible for it just as hard as we would any other case, because that's what you do as an investigator. But in a case like this, a five-year-old girl, I, I, I'm just doing what I got to do. You know, I'm not going to break the law, but I'm going to get to the bottom of it, you know? Jan on the Lamb from uh, Canada. Thank you so much for the $13.99 Super Chat. Steve Cologne, thank you for the $9.99 Super Chat. Folks, if you like this show, we're Police Off the Cuff. Please uh, subscribe to us on YouTube. Give us a thumbs up. Ring that bell. With me tonight is the uh, Sent From God, David Rader, from <clears throat> Equisearch Midwest, and Sent From uh, Law School, Joe Murray. And right out of Brooklyn, we got we got Phil Grimaldi. And, fired uh, up tonight. Fired up. Fired up. Yeah, he's a, he's a little pissed off tonight, you know. But, uh, you know, Dave, another thing I wanted to ask you, and I found it a little surprising when you uh, did the searches, did, the police didn't talk to you about the investigative end of it. Like, we're searching here because of this. We're searching here because of that. You want to comment about that? Okay, so so this was this was not an EquiSearch case. We were brought in as uh, as a resource uh, and manpower. So this really was not our case. So they're not going to sit down with me per se because they have they they have their this is you know they sat down with the, within themselves. So they sat down with Tim Coop because he's incident command. Uh, and, and the EMAs and in and, and, and Hawkins County Sheriff. So they were, you know, that was that was them. Now, if this was my case, then yes, law enforcement, uh, we work hand in glove. So so we'll go over everything. So as the as the investigation is going on, I'm being fed, spoon fed um, information that I'm being trusted with as they're doing that end, then I, you know, with the information that I'm getting, then I'm, I'm taking that search and, and I'm moving it in a direction that, that, that coincides with what the investigation is going to, if that makes any sense. So no, it makes sense. Yeah. So, so law enforcement did not talk to me in this case. Um, I wish that they would have on the second trip when we, when we came down to have at least somebody kind of, um, you know, say thank you. Not not even a thank you. I, I can't even go down that road. But just to say, okay, Dave, I know you're back into town. What's your thought process on this? How are you going to go about this? And then they hopefully that they would have, because of our background and who we are, um, that they would have sat down and said, okay, this is this is what we have as far as for you. Now, now do your search accordingly. And and I would have loved to have sat down with somebody. 100%. Yeah. Uh, on the case um, to see if he would talk to me. To, and, and I got no response back from Hawkins County. Uh, like I said, the only, the only, uh, uh, the only communication that I had was through text messages with Tim Coop. And we all know how that turned out and, and we've moved on from there. And not right. Duty Ron, thank you so much for the uh, $20 super chat. Also, thank you for all you do for police off the cuff. He's uh, he's helped me uh, build my channel. Uh, we've uh, 
we do what we call cross-pollination. We appear on each other's shows. That's how you cross-pollinate podcasts, you know. I think I invented that term. I don't know. I'm not sure. But uh, Bill, can I make one last point about absolutely commercial or anything? What I said about Candace, I would go with a hard, and maybe what Joe said is exactly what's going on, that she could be innocent, it's possible, and maybe she's using that self-serving statement because she's worried about the other kids. But when I go at her for that, I want to know what's the truth. Tell me the truth. Did you walk her? And then she says, no, well, I said it. Okay, so now I know that she's being truthful. Now I'm getting her back onto the right track of being truthful. Tell me the truth about everything. And I would go through the whole story, and anything that I thought was a little bit off, I would drill down on that and get her to tell me, well, why did you say that you walked to the door? Let her tell me. Well, I was worried they were going to take my children away. This is how I'm going to develop uh, belief in her statements and make her a credible witness, or she could be involved in the disappearance. And and that's how you you know, that that's how you go through these things. This is how you decide if a witness is telling the truth or not telling the truth. And I would say, listen, I'm not, I'm not child sure. protective services. I'm investigating your daughter's missing. Tell, tell me the truth. And we'll, we'll, we'll worry about that. And I've done that, you know, a guy didn't want to tell me about something. There, there were drugs in the room. And he, I said, listen, I'm not a narcotics detective. I'm here investigating a homicide. Put that aside. Tell me the truth. And you get them to, you know, you got to get them to believe you obviously. And, and, that was 100%. The, the narcotics is not playing in. It's the homicide we're talking about. And that's how I've always done my, my interviews and my, my investigations. We're going to go to a quick break, guys, and we'll be right back. Keep those thoughts, and we'll, uh, we're going to come back with that. Phil, I think you're going to do the first one here. Okay. Are you tired of the same old surroundings looking to relocate, or are you just in the market and the need of a real estate agent in the Myrtle Beach, South Carolina area? Well, Carol Waters is your girl. Her and her husband, Rob Mahan, who's a retired member of the NYPD and the New York Fire Department, are both million-dollar sales agent. Carol and her husband can be reached at 914-261-6681, 914-261-6681. Or you can email her at carolwaterssellsmb at gmail.com. That's carolwaterssellsmb at gmail.com. Joe Murray is present tonight, so this is a little awkward, but have you found yourself in a jam? Are you in need of legal counsel in the New York area, or do you just need a victim's advocate? Joe Murray's your man. He's not only experienced in as a trial attorney, he's also a retired 15-year member of the NYPD. His website is jmurray-law.com. That's jmurray-law.com. His telephone is 646-838-1702. 646-838-1702 or email joe at jmurray-law.com. He knows both sides of the fence. He's been on both sides. <laughs> Police Coffee is an officer-owned business dedicated to crafting the finest coffees and blends. Um, they'll provide you with the freshest coffee available. Each batch is roasted fresh by people who know what it means to stay vigilant. And our specialty coffees do not waste one drop when flavor is concerned. Our coffee is some of the best you'll find, but it also helps serve an important cause, giving back to our community. 50% of our profits go towards helping family members of police officers who fell in the line of duty. To order coffee and related products from policecoffee.com, just go to the website. That's the website, policecoffee.com. 
There are over seven types of coffee to choose from. 50% of the profits, again, go to offices, families in need. For a 10% discount, use code OTC10. That's off the cuff 10. Folks, if you want something to read at the beach this summer, retired uh, first grade detective Michael O'Keefe is an author, author of three novels, Shot to Pieces, A Reckoning in Brooklyn, and Burnt to a Crisp. I've read all three of them. Amazing books. You can order his books on Amazon.com or on his website, MichaelO'KeefeAuthor.com. Michael O'Keefe, I'm saying O'Keefe, O'Keefe was a police officer in 1992 that got into a life or death fight with a drug dealer named Kiko Garcia. Luckily, Michael O'Keefe came out alive and Kiko Garcia didn't survive the encounter. But the book, Shot to Pieces, sort of is autobiographical. And these books, I can't tell you, they're, they're amazing. Amazon.com or order on Michael O'Keefe, author.com. We're back. Can I get a radio check in Central? You're good. Five, right, by five, five by five. Five <laughs> by five now. Glad to be back. Can I throw something out there? I, I just want to tell a quick little story, and this pertains to you, Dave. I was in high school. I worked at a gas station. And at the gas station back then, everybody usually paid cash. You know, a few credit cards, but everybody paid cash. I was dealing with cash so often, I could spot a fake bill. I mean, there were people that would get creative. They would cut the corners off of uh, 10 and put it on a one and try. So, but I was nailing them because I did it so often. You, with your expertise doing this on a regular basis, should be priority number one in a case like this. And I am horrified to learn from you. They're not giving you the facts. They're not giving you their timeline. They're not giving you, I mean, of all people, you need to know that. Wouldn't you agree? Uh, wholeheartedly. I mean, you know, I, I'm on their team, and, and 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 I'm the extension of them trying to help them. Again, they don't have the resources, guys. I mean, we know how law enforcement agencies right now are struggling just to get people on the street, let alone, um, you, you know, in the investigation end of this. So, uh, you know, again, um, I can't even tell you how many times that we've been turned down on, on, on cases as you know, now nah, we don't, we don't, we can, we can do this ourselves. And, and it's, I, I don't, you know, again, it's, it's, um, it, it, we're free. Uh, I have some of the best technology at my fingertips. If I don't have it, I, I, I know where to get it and it's all free to them. So why would you not want to dedicate your, your investigation team? Uh, to do what you guys do best while we're out there um, covering the ground and eliminating areas for them. So doing what you uh, do best. Correct. Correct. Just shocking yeah. to me. And that's, I had to throw that out there. But you know, that's what I, I, I go through that a lot. I mean, it's, it's not just them. It's, I mean, I've had other municipalities tell me no. Listen, with all the police departments in the country, any small police department that doesn't have a lot of manpower, I mean, the NYPD, when I was on, it was up as high as almost 40,000 police officers. So the need to have a search team like yours to come in really wasn't there. But these small departments, I mean, they'd be crazy. And then knowing the technologies you have, they obviously, whoever turned you down didn't know what extent that you guys go to, what technology that you have, and how professional you guys are. And if they did, shame on them. They, they wasted a good resource. 
I agree. You know, Dave, uh, do you expect to be called back uh, to Tennessee on this case? Do I? Yes. After everything that's went through, Bill, um, I would hope. Um, but why didn't somebody, if, if that was the case, why in the hell did they, they, they rang my phone? Yeah, no, I mean, it sounds like uh, a, a dissing. I would take that as a diss, you know, and that's New York for disrespect. We lose the we yeah. lose the second part, a diss. I don't know if they use that term in Ohio. I, I can understand what's going on, though, Dave. And, and I mean, I might put this out there. It might be wrong, but it might be right. Sometimes, you know, uh, there's a lot of focus on it. They don't get a lot of these cases, and they're trying to be the ones that come up with, finding her or finding her remains. And, and that's what I think it's coming down to at this point. There might've been a little bit of a pissing match between the FBI, the TBI cook. And, and, you know, I'm going to say it outright. There, there had to be something because they should have you guys out there as much as they can, if, if they're really in, in search of this young lady. So, I mean, no, uh, no, I, I agree. And, and again, my whole thing is, is, you know, they want to do this themselves, but then when they don't succeed, people are saying, well, why didn't you have them? So to yeah. me, I would much rather sit there and throw every damn thing that you've got in your arsenal because then nobody can sit there and say, you didn't do this. Right. No, you didn't do it because you threw every damn thing at it. So why not be proactive instead of reactive and, and throw every damn thing at it? Because in that way, nobody can come back and blast TBI, FBI, or Hawkins County for not putting the, the resources out there, especially when they're damn free. I mean, they just went through a hell of a uh, a, a council meeting on uh, on their budget that they uh, that they did for this little girl. You, yeah. you know, money should become a damn factor in this shit. This should be, you know, put all your differences aside. Do it for free. Do it for the the sake of a five year old. And I don't care if it's a five year old or a fifty five year old. It's still a human being. It's still somebody's loved one. You don't have enough compassion that you have to attach a damn dollar bill to it? It doesn't make sense to me. And, and you guys are free. So, I mean, that yeah. would be a waste of a resource if they don't use you. Absolutely. I, look, look, who just, look who just joined us. Rudy Ron. Hi, Ron. Oh, look at that. You got the hat. Look at that. You know, someone you just me? made a comment in I the chat. Someone just made a comment in the chat, Diane Hollow. It's yeah, ridiculous yeah, and it makes me mad. I cried when I heard that California turned down the help. So ridiculous. And we need these boys and we need summer. Duty Ron, I know you know all about that case. I don't know if I could see that. What does it say? It's a bracelet. Lost Lost in in yeah. Um, terrible. We, we we got uh we got if uh, we got the word today that uh, Bakersfield uh, turned down uh, EquiSearch going down out there, which to me was just horrifying. Um, but you know what? It says some couple of things. It, it may be that they have something in the works, and I'm taking it as a positive that they don't they don't need us to go out there and search, uh, or, or it could be something that they feel like they have it uh, they have it covered and they don't they don't need extra eyes. I I, I don't know. But I wanted to come on and show the swag that Dave it came today. The Texas EquiSearch. <laughs> I still got uh, the Midwest EquiSearch. I still got the the tags on it. I got the shirt. 
it fits me good. It's not like uh, it's not like a, a, a like a form fitting shirt. It's nice and loose, and I got a package. <laughs> it's not a cheapy too, shirt. Though. It looks like it looks you like good get it, over to you. it gives me excuse to see you again. <laughs> you know, some of the folks in the chat are also talking about whether or not the phone oh, records. I don't know why I can't hear you guys, so I got to put the phone up to my ear to hear you. Okay, I, some people in the chat are saying. It, have the phone records come back yet? They they absolutely should be back by now. Oh, it's I'm so uh, glad you brought that up. It's, it's so over fifty five zero days today, I believe it is. So yes, they should be back. But I mean, that is the evidence that we would all be waiting for: the electronic evidence that could prove certain things that right now on Facebook and on a lot of these chats are just conjecture. I'm so glad that came up because I wrote down a couple of things. Now, I talked earlier about corroborating their statement. I, we lost duty, Ron, I guess. Um, corroborating their statements. Now, cell phone technology is going to give you 100% accuracy as regard to who they called, where they were when they called. That's 100%. Whoever has the phone is, is questionable. But the actual technology, if you say, this is my phone, this is where I was, but your phone shows you was somewhere else, or the time is different. So that's 100%. Video cameras don't lie. They're 100%. If a person is picked up on a video camera in the hospital, the 7-Eleven, the Walgreens, wherever they were, that's 100%. And it gives you a timestamp. And you can always go back and check to make sure that the time on the video camera is correct. The third thing is in-person interviews. Now, they're not 100% because people could have reason to lie. But generally, a stranger is not going to lie about seeing a, a woman with a little girl. So those three things are so important to this case. I talked about it earlier. That is how I would impeach the statements that were made by Candace Don, the grandmother, anybody, H, anybody in this case. I would use the technology after I had the good, strong um, interviews done in the beginning. And I would go back and I would pick apart all the little things. And like I said, maybe you can also eliminate them as being suspect involved in this disappearance because she lied. Candace lied about walking to the house with, uh, with summer. Maybe there's some truth to that. She was covering her ass. You can get her, get that out of her. Why did you say that? And you, you know, you're pointing out things that, you know, she lied and then it's going to come through. Maybe they know about this. Maybe they know about that. Every interview is different, but that's how I would attack this case at this point. Those records. I'm so glad that question came up. That's, 100% cell phone, 100% video, and then in-person interviews. Unless you have reason to lie, those are usually 100% as well. You know, someone in the chat said that we were only 80% because now that duty runs here, we're 100%. Here we go. <laughs> we love duty run too, but we didn't think we were only 80%. I thought we were still 100. Now we're 120, I think. <laughs> Whoever said that, I like them. <laughs> so listen i want to throw something out there tell me what you guys think just an observation now we all looked at candace's statement and we criticize it and contra you know show the contradictions in it what do you think don is doing looking at her statement and does it strike you as funny how there's not the slightest bit dissension amongst them it's not even like i can't believe it you lost you know, our daughter under your watch, you know, what were you doing? You, they are, you know, in lockstep with each other, not questioning each other, 100% complimenting each other. 
Oh, yes. No, she would never leave the property. We taught her about the, the bears and the snake. Yeah, that's true. Like, everything seems to be very united in their story. And there is not the slightest bit of, and Don doesn't strike me as a guy that would hold back from tearing into Candace if he didn't believe her or didn't like what she said. I just find that a little suspicious. Did anyone else pick Joe, I think they're both lying, you know, and one lies and the other one's backing up the other one's story because they both know what happened to Summer. So that's where I was getting at. Do you think they're both complicit in whatever happened? Like, what? I know we don't know what happened. There's a number of different theories, maybe a, maybe a, a tragic accident that they wanted to cover up. Do you think that's what it is, or do you think maybe something out of their control happened and they're just being honest about their ignorance to it. Well, why no emotion? Like I Good said, point. these are not, I would say, your average people that you're going to interview. They're just not. Don has so much baggage. You know, I'm sure he sat through plenty of police interviews in his 30 years of uh, a criminal history. And again, with, you know, I'm hearing about all of their history with CPS they both had kids taken away from them. I'm sure there's a lot of, you know, hardness that comes with that. I mean, when you've been through the fire again and again, it, it kind of takes, you know, it, it has its toll on you. So I'm not sure that we should be looking at them, you know, as, as pure individuals that have no experience in either criminal justice or CPS. I, I really think what you're, the point you're making, Joe, is that they got their story straight. It sounds like that. But on the other hand, I would think in, from a law enforcement perspective, if the mother and father of a missing five-year-old girl were taking unnecessary heat, I think a statement would come out of the police, whether it be the TBI or FBI, and say, you know, we don't think that the mother and father involved or we don't see them as persons of interest. They could say something to try and take the heat off them a little. We haven't seen that, and we've seen quite erratic behavior by Don recently between uh, Facebook and the internet. And he he got drunk. He had a, a drinking. Well, I forgot the word that he used. A, a drinking incident when the day with the kids were taken. So I don't know if the pressure is getting to him or the walls are closing in that he's got something to hide. But there's definitely inconsistencies, and I see. Uh, non-truths in both of their statements. And like I said, I would be using all the technology at my fingertips, the cell phones, the cameras, the in-person interviews to impeach their testimony. Well, not their testimony, impeach their statements and go on from there. And there might be logical reasons why they're saying the things that they're doing. And you make a great point, Joe. They're not your everyday uh, witness, you know, they're, they're not uh, white collar workers. They're, they're just ordinary people or whatever. And they have some issues and they have criminal history and all of that, but they're, they're trained maybe to tell lies when they're dealing with law enforcement. So let's put aside what lies they're telling and the reasons why, and let's get to the truth. And that's, it goes down in the box in the interview room that goes down in the interview room. Phoenix rising says he told Chris, he doesn't drink anymore and he doesn't drink any less either. So th we're supposed <laughs> to believe that. Right, exactly. Uh, so I wanted to say one thing, and then I'm going to get out of here because I, I have to get to bed. Um, I want to say that uh, Candace, I feel, uh, exhibits the battered woman syndrome. 
she is controlled by Don, and a lot of the things that she does, look at the domestic violence. Uh, she filled out a DIR and wrote in her own handwriting that she was in fear for her life and for her kids. And then when Don got a hold of that, he, um, he explained it as it was a big misunderstanding. We had this misunderstanding, and she was wrong. She went to the judge, as a matter of fact, and told the judge that um, everything, everything was fine. So I think that a lot of this narrative and story is being controlled by, by Don and just going along with it, you know, so. Yeah, Ron, I, I appreciate the, your um, your assessment on this, but I mean, I th you know, we're used to a, a little different response to domestic violence in New York City than they have here. That incident where, with in October when he had a gun in the car, he was drunk, he threatened her life. In New York City, that would have been a must-arrest. He would have been arrested, and Candace wouldn't be able to say, I don't want to prosecute, because we would have just said, well, people state of New York will prosecute then, because we're not going to let this guy walk, especially when he's a uh, predicate felon. Good point, Bill. The district attorney's office in New York, in that case, well, I don't know if they would now with all the bail reform and everything and these uh, very liberal DAs, but when I was on the job and I was on the job up until 2003, a case like that where, you know, you have an uncooperative female complainant, but she wrote out the DIR, like Ron said, she stated all the things that happened. He was drunk. He was found with a gun. They would go ahead and prosecute him without her based on the DIR and the, and the, the, the complaint report that night. And they would try to get him to plead guilty to something. If not, they, they probably would even take him to trial and make her a, an uncooperative or a hostile witness. Yeah, it was hard for me to believe that in that case, he, he just, the police didn't even pursue it. They just let him let him go, you know? I mean, in New York City, I was, you know, I was a sergeant. If I walked away from a situation like that, I would be concerned that the husband would kill the wife. And if I walk oh. away... They're going to be looking for Sergeant Cannon to find out what time he was here and why did he didn't take proper police action. It's a must-arrest you know? situation right there. Yeah, yeah 100%. Sergeant yeah. Cannon will be calling Joe Murray. Yeah. That's right. I'll, be, I'll, I'll, get Joe, I'll have to pull up that flyer again, try to get Joe Murray's website and his phone number. I that's, can't afford the six fifty an hour, though. <laughs> that's why he's staying so quiet. He wants those must-arrest more work for him. <laughs> Um, let me oh. say thank you to Dave for sending out the swag for me and Bill. I have a package for Bill. It came today. Um, I appreciate the, 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 you know, all of this stuff. It, it was completely unnecessary. I was just, I was just hoping to make a wristband. So thank you. Uh, My pleasure, guys. My pleasure. I, I'm going to go. Good night, uh, Bill and uh, chat Joe Murray and, um, and, and Phil. I appreciate uh, you letting me come on. I really wanted to come on and show this off. So. Thanks for letting me <laughs> in and have a good uh, the rest of your stream. Dude, Ron, thank you. Thank you Take for care, everything Lonnie. you do, man. Take care. Have a, have a great night. Hey, Dave, Bill, I got a quick question for you. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry, Joe. Go, go. Okay. I just want to throw this out there because I'm so, I struggle with this. I'm really looking at all the, th I'm seeing all the things you're seeing, but in the back of my head, I'm seeing kind of excuses for what we're seeing. And it's really bugging me. And I just, do you think it's possible? I mean, yes, everything is pointing to Don and Candace. They really are. They're the parents. They're the last people claiming to have seen them. 
there's just so much there. But the fact that they both keep coming out, not even together, individually giving statements, is it possible that these two bad people, just to give them a term, bad people, bad witnesses, bad parents, whatever you want to call them, is it possible that they really are ignorant to what happened and that maybe it was someone else? But then that goes back to my my thing, Joe, is as far as why why aren't there why isn't there any kind of emotions then if if, if that is the truth, I would be on every damn platform I could sit there and instead of trying to defend myself, I would be sitting there saying, Hey, whoever's got my daughter, every single time that I could possibly get, get onto a microphone or get my face out there to to beg these people that actually has my daughter. There's no emotions, and I'm, I'm, and I guess I'm just kind of, I'm dumbfounded on that. And, and again, I know everybody handles stress and and different scenarios differently, but I just, I just don't see this, this pleading that if this really truly did happen, and and somebody has my daughter, I am getting on there and begging, please let her go. You know, the joy catcher says, could they have met up before coming home, met somewhere halfway? Was he really at work even? Joy catcher, I 100% agree with you. I think they collaborated together uh, and something happened to Summer. That's my opinion. I don't think she ever, ever made it home that day. And I think there's some other folks here that believe the same thing. You know, I, and I hate, again, using the duck analogy. If it walks like a duck, if it quacks like a duck, if it swims like a duck, it's a duck. All right. You think it's and a duck? Put a duck in the chat. <laughs> <Here they come>. <laughs> <laughs> Joe, you know, I gotta say, I think, I think you make a good point that the, the the possibility does exist that they're just, you know, like you said, they're bad witnesses. But all the inconsistencies that we found. Why aren't they either commenting about them or why why isn't there a more solid interview where they're explaining these things? I mean, us being outside of the case from a far distance away of pointing out all these different things and and they, they need to be addressed. I want to know why she said that she walked somewhere up to that door. I, I, a lot of things, you know, and and I think that if they were being truthful or somewhat truthful and they weren't involved in it, the Evidence from the cell phones, the evidence from the video cameras, the evidence from the interviews. I think all of that would have been enough to clear them. And I think law enforcement might. And a lot of times they'll do it. They'll talk about a missing woman. They'll say, well, the husband, you know, went on the news and, and police say he's not a person of interest. They're not saying that in this case. And the, the, the thing that I was going to ask Dave was, have you had any experience? And I hate to even bring this up. It's a horrible thought. But where they search, you know, like a garbage dump. Is, is there, have you had experience with that or did that go on in this case? Do we know, Dave? That, that I don't know. The only experience that I had on, on that, Phil, is um, I was on a case um, back in 2011 with Lauren Spears um, out of Bloomington, Indiana, the IU student that went missing. Actually, yeah, we, we did from, that case. Yeah, Lauren Spears, yeah. Yes, yes. From New York. And I spent six weeks uh, in Bloomington, Indiana, um, with uh, with Rob and Charlene looking for for the, uh, their daughter. Spent a lot of time with them. And what they did was is immediately because she walked through the alley, 
uh, PD locked it down after three days. Uh, the garbage dump of where uh, all your trash is uh, actually GPS where it's dumped. So going back to that that day that she that she went missing, they cordoned off. It didn't allow any more dumping to go on there until they got a uh, uh, they got a court order to 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 search a dump. And I think at the time, and, and I'm going back off of memory, but it was 128 feet by 72 feet by 22 feet deep, just just in that three days from that trash. And it took um, uh, FBI, uh, Bloomington PD, uh, IUPD. There was like uh, like four or five different municipalities that spent two weeks going through that trash. Um, that is. Um, it, once you know that, you know that's that's a possibility of locking that down. Um, by the time that you sit there and even think about about that, the amount of trash that's dumped in there, you would have to go through is, would would be absolutely astronomical. You know, Dave, we um we all were nine uh, eleven first responders, and they would bring all the debris from the towers. They'd float it, float it down river to a pl place called Fresh Kills in Staten Island. Mm -hmm. And they would dump it in this huge dump. And we would sift, manually sift through it with machines also. But it was the most heinous job. And, you know, lots of bodies were recovered that were missed when they were searching at Ground Zero. Body parts, all, ki all kinds of things. And, you know, and, and it, you know, we, I'm sure we all have little PTSD from that. And, uh, it, you know, it's not a pleasant thing. And I, I mean, you, I've said it to you a million times, you do God's work and you absolutely do do God's work. Doing this stuff is just incredible. Search you know, and rescue canine mom. Thank you so much for the 1499 super chat. I'm sorry, Dave. I didn't mean to cut you off. Go ahead. I just said, we all do it. You know, we all do what's right. And, um, it's there's more good in this world than there is evil, guys. Uh, you, I 100% you know. agree with you. You know something? There's a book out that used used to be the Bible of homicide investigation. I don't know if it still is. It, it was called Practical Homicide Investigation by Vernon Gebberth, who was a retired NYPD homicide lieutenant. And one of the things he said was, we work for God. We don't work for the complainant. We work for God because the person that lost their life, you know, they're hoping that someone gives their family and their loved ones closure in doing this thing. But we hope we a hundred percent hope that this case will be solved, you know, and, and one of the things that we, that we spoke about before, and I understand why the police keep this stuff close to the vest, but I, I wish they would just do a press conference just to say, look, we have a direction. We're working on it. And, uh, you know, not even giving all, all kinds of information out, just, you know, just to say that we have it. Because right now there's so many like rumors and, you know, you look at Facebook, you look at YouTube, people are like all over the place, you know, and all of these internet sleuths, uh, you know, I, I guess they mean well, but, you know, they, they don't know what evidence means to an investigation. And you can comment about things that appear as fact, on YouTube, but in fact, are not fact because the people that have the evidence can, you know, can can disprove that. But we don't have that luxury right now. We we said it a million times. We're not privy to the case folder. We don't know what they have. And having said that, you can't 
really say, oh, this is this and that is that. And you can't talk in absolutes. That's what I'm trying to say. Listen, they can put out a a statement without taking any questions and just say, uh, we've made some progress in the case. We have a direction that we're going in. We're still continuing the searches. We still have all the possibilities still on the table. Something general, just to 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 show that you know that there is some type of uh, progress being made. That's a simple statement. It could take a minute or two without taking any questions, and it might you know it might change the whole course of this thing. You know. Yeah, I just think that there's a lot of. Go ahead, Joe. I didn't mean to cut you off. Go ahead. I, I just want to point out. I mean, I love as you know reading the comments. And now even the chat, they have the smartest people that come up with it. Like, let's just take Sylvia Brown. She says, Joe, you have the best reading on C&D. How smart is this woman? She's she's pointing that out, that I have the smartest read on them. I'm just kidding around. But I just <laughs> do want to say this. The fact that I'm a criminal defense attorney, I get a lot of repeat customers. I do a good job for them. I get them out, whatever. They come back. The one thing I can tell you that I do, I can't teach them how to be better criminals. It's unethical. But I teach them about the law and their rights. Most of all, and most importantly, is the right to remain silent. I drive it through their skulls. Don't come to me with this bag of garbage next time where I have statements from you, you're on TV, you're doing this, you're doing that. I have to believe someone like Don, who's had an extensive criminal record, served prison time, that he would be able to just control himself, maybe make a couple of comments. But this guy's out here doing interview after interview after interview. Talk about red flags to a criminal defense attorney. The guy knows better, and the fact that he's doing it is starting to sway me. Yes, he's got a lot of baggage. Yes, this guy's not a likable guy. He's arrogant. He's a narcissist, but he's also an ex-con, and he's been arrested and had lawyers talking to him again and again. I'm telling you, I did a suppression hearing. Today I was in court. We got the decision and one of the issues was, as a Huntley hearing, whether or not the this, this statements would be suppressed or they were voluntary given. That's the law, whether or not it was an involuntary statement or voluntarily made. When I have this hearing, I drive home to my client. Do you see what I'm talking about? Do you see this? God forbid they get arrested again. They know. It's really bugging me as a criminal defense attorney, somebody with his record doing interview after interview after interview, and he's doing it not with Candace. He's doing it on his own. What do we do as cops? We separate people. We let them tell their stories, and we separate them. So just going, I mean, making a statement is one thing, but they're sitting down for interviews. I'm really starting to to second guess this. And, you know, the emotion and stuff, Dave, that's so true. We're talking about severely damaged people, you know, that have had such trauma caused by themselves, self-inflicted, no doubt. But I remember as a young cop when I first, the first time I got a CD, a command discipline, 
I was like terrified. Oh my many, God. many more to follow, I might add. I have many more. I went to 10 to three times and arrested in uniform. By that time, I, I was like, yeah, okay. So uh, when we say you've been on both sides of the fence, that also three three sides of the fence. Yeah. That's like an inside thing. I'm trying to say it without saying it. He's really been on both sides of the fence. Not guilty 100%. I won every trial that came out of that. Thank God. Point. Thank God. The point being, you can't shake me now. You know what I mean? Right. That's right. why there's no emotion. That's what there's so many scars. There's he's been there. He, you know, he's he's uh, again self-inflicted. Both of these people have had kids taken away. You know, that kind of trauma over time just kind of deadens you. So it kind of makes you go ahead. Sorry. Joe, I, I gotta make a point. Delana in the uh, chat says. So Dave Rader is saying most of the time families of missing children usually work with him and not against him. And I think that's a fantastic point based on what he was just talking about with the spirit case. Now, Dave, can you tell us that it seemed like they were thankful or that they were working with you when you were doing the searches? As far as with uh, on Don and Candace? Candace and Don, yes, on this case, on the Summer Wells case. I, I never – I seen – the only time that I seen Candace was the last trip in town when I brought my team to the watering hole because I wanted to wanted that the team to see this. I wanted them to kind of get a feeling and then work backwards a little bit and see what that area. We weren't going to search it. We were just getting kind of our points of interest in 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 uh, uh, in, in order. And then that's when we rolled up with uh, Chris and uh, Candace, and and that's when he did the he was doing the interview. Now the the place is is not that big. There, I think there's ten or fifteen tops parking spaces. Um, I come rolling in with probably about eight cars, and in, in our in our green search tops, and we sat there for probably about 15, 20 minutes. And at no point in time did she even say, hey, let me go over and at least say hi or thank you for coming and looking for my daughter. So I had no interaction. It's like, you know, it, again, nine times out of, you know, I, 10 times out of 10 until this case, uh, the families are just so overwhelmed that, that you're there and, and, and give a damn about their loved one. We don't know them from Adam, but we're showing the love by coming and, and, and trying to sit there and look and, and give them the answers um, that they're looking for. Because there's, you know, again, we, we care. We we want to bring them closure one way or another. So I'm um, going to sound I'm going to sound like a defense attorney when I would when I say this, but. So would you say with all the searches you've done, it's not typical behavior that they exhibited, that typically people would be thankful or meet with you? Would, would, would that be fair what I just said? Absolutely. That's absolutely fair. I mean, so that's another thing. They're not exhibiting typical behavior. Uh, there's so many different things. Joe, hang on one second. I just want to read this uh, comment by Cheated No More. Uh Dawn Marie asks, please ask the panel if it is possible that an abductor took Summer in front of the boys and threatened them to not tell. Well, well we, I, I, our feelings are that that didn't happen. I mean, yeah, 100%. 100%. Uh, 100%. Two, two, or two, 
according to Candace, they were in two separate areas. The kids were upstairs. She was downstairs. And there was only a two-minute time frame where she was literally left by herself, correct? Yes, yeah, you're right. Right there, you deal what that woman said, that scenario, I mean, you would drill down on those young boys, and it wouldn't take much to get them to say the truth. I don't care how much fear they had. We're going to protect you. You're in a police station. Uh, nobody's going to harm you. Your, your parents are on your side. You know, you would you would get them to tell you the truth if that were the case. I, I doubt that that's uh, even possible at this point. Well, but Phil, you hit it on the head. At this point, the police know the truth. They've interviewed those three boys. I'm sure. So they have their statements. So that is another thing that to me is almost a smoking gun. And they know that, but we don't know that. We don't know that for sure. But Bill, as a sergeant in the homicide squad, I'm sorry, Joe, I just got to ask him this because he just made a really good point. As a sergeant homicide squad, I go into the box with another detective to do an interview with those kids one at a time. I come out of the room. First thing you're going to ask me, what do he tell you? Do you believe him? That's the first thing you're going to say to me. And I'm right. going to have an opinion. I'm going to say, yeah, he, he he's not lying. He's telling the truth. If I think he's telling the truth or if I think he's being deceptive, I'll say, boss, listen, we got to go back at this kid. We got to find out this and that. Correct, Bill? Wouldn't you say that, that that's the way it would be? Yeah, 100%. And those are the, the facts that the police know now that us um, folks on YouTube, content creators, I'll call us, we don't have all those we facts. Don't know. Yeah. Right. Go ahead, Joe. You were going to say something? Joe Murray, come on. You, you're three sides of the fence and you're not talking right now. <laughs> Who thinks now? Dave Rader, this is my cross-examination after uh, Philly got you on direct. Uh, he asked you, have you ever seen that reaction before? And you said no. Well, that's not typical, right? That's correct. Okay. Now, let me ask you, have you ever had parents of missing, ki missing kids that you were looking for who were convicted felons that went to prison, had children removed, had ACS cases? When you talk that this is atypical, have you ever had in your searches, a pair like this? Well, here, here's here's my my response to that, Joe, is is that I don't get into the backgrounds of the parents. That's not my job. Objection. My job is, Objection. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> my job Wait, somebody's got to swear David. He's got to be sworn in. <laughs> you got to read him Miranda when he's asking him questions like this. You know? So... So, so again, my, my whole thing is, is I don't do the background of, of the, the parents, um, so I, I wouldn't know. I mean, my job, right, you know, at that point in time is, is I'm focused on, uh, on the individual that's missing uh, to, to, to bring them home, not only for law enforcement, but also for that family. What they've done prior to it, uh, unless somebody sits there and, 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 and tells me, I have no idea what their background is. You know, I just want to say, look, one thing. I've dealt with career criminals, murderers from all over the world, and one thing they all have in common is that they can't tell the truth. They lie. I wouldn't believe one word that comes out of Don's mouth. I don't care how experienced his interviewer is. He's full of shit. He's a liar. He's a convicted felon, and he's got not just a criminal. He's got a sex abuse history, too. The guy, there's not, and then, then he hides behind the Lord. I have no, you know, I have no patience for that either. You know, I've seen everyone that's in prison all of a sudden finds the Lord. Maybe you should have found the Lord when you were out robbing people, killing people, you know?
Bill, you're so right, because whatever statement he made in the beginning, your reaction to it, what you're you're saying right there, that would have been the reaction, and you would have punched holes in it. You would have found the inconsistencies, and you would have went back, and you would have, you know, corroborated or uncorroborated what he was saying. Go ahead, Dave. I'm going to go back to these guys, Candace and Don, as damaged as they are, all busted up for their – Past history, drug use, alcohol, as bad as they are with their histories and track record, they've been so cooperative with the police, unwaveringly answering questions. Anyone that'll stick a mic in their face, they're answering questions. We don't know that they've been that cooperative with the police, though, Joe. We know that they did interviews, and we don't know that for fact, do we? what, what I can say is, and we've seen what's typical, the police would come out and say, yeah, they've shut us down. That has not happened. We yeah, but Joe, the police haven't said anything. So True. they might not say that either. They haven't said a word. I just see this as, you know, maybe we got to give them at least an inch because they're not doing it the way we want them to do it, but they are putting themselves out there you know, open to whatever. You want to split us up and interview us? Okay. You want to interview me for a third and fourth time? Okay. That is really striking to me, particularly for someone, like I said, I preach it to my clients. I show them like this guy today, here's the decision. All of those statements you made are now coming in at your trial. Good job. You know, like you're going to do that again next time. So I can't believe that he's not that dumb. Joe, if I was on, if I was still on the job, I'd be beeping you out as you said all that. <laughs> no, I'm going to tell you, if I had a client turning himself in and Joe walked in the room with me, I'd be like, oh, no. Not again, Joe, you're killing me. Because if anybody, when I read that commercial earlier for Joe, if anybody watched a little back and forth we just had with Dave, that proves that he's a good, very good attorney. He's very good. Thank you, Phil. You know, there's another. I love these people. I on that. Uh, on the. Uh, on that. I, I didn't. I didn't get any feedback. That was the perfect answer. That was the uh, okay. perfect answer. That's yeah. what the professional. That's why he do. objected. That's why he said objection. That's unresponsive. Move the strike. <laughs> so here's here's another here's another factor, guys. We're forgetting about another piece of the puzzle here. Yeah. We're forgetting about Grandma. Right. No, we yeah we 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 talked about her. You're always yeah, mentioned right. Grandma before, yeah, yeah because yeah. she's also been interviewed by the police. All right, so you've got Grandma, but but and, and don't forget, yeah. her daughter is also missing out of Wisconsin. Right. Right. So, in her, in her initial statement, she wouldn't be getting out of the room until I was satisfied what she was telling me was, you know, for the most part true. And that would go for Don and that would go for Candace. I mean, we got a five-year-old kid missing here. And I, I said it before, I don't care if I'm going to piss people off. You know, I, I'm going to go with them as hard as I can. And, and if I think they're long, you know, I'll talk to you nicey-nicey when I think you're, you're giving me, you know, good information and you're being truthful. But the minute that you start lying and I know you're lying, that's when things turn. I, you know, I go from good cop to bad cop like that 
situation like that. Right, Bill? Wouldn't you say uh, that's the you way know, to something, Look, 100%. I, I just, you know, the only thing I really struggle with in this case is that, again, we don't know what the police have. Right. We don't know what they actually have done. We don't know the evidence that's come back. Everyone online could, you know, say things that are, and report them as facts, but they're not facts unless they're corroborated, vetted, and tested against the evidence. And we don't know if any of that is the truth, you know? I think, yeah, you know, guys, we're, we've been going for uh, an hour and 23 minutes, and I know David's wow. probably past his bedtime. I know he's got another – he's got another <laughs> – it, just like it on Duty Rod show, I've got sixty-two percent, Bill. Oh, okay. He's on his phone. He's on, <laughs> he may not make it too much longer. But you know, Dave, we really so appreciate you, man. You're 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 a godsend. And I just want folks, you can donate to Midwest EquiSearch on his website. I think I connected it down here on uh, on my site, uh, or else you can just Google it, Mid Midwest EquiSearch, and they have a a, a part there that you can donate. They're totally a 501c3 company, right? And yeah. there's this non-for-profit. And talk about doing God's work. These folks are doing God's work, and that's for sure. I'm going to give everyone the last word because uh, we're coming up on that uh, that dangerous part of the night where Joe Murray has to go to bed because <laughs> he's got to be in court in the morning. So let me let, let me let Joe go first. Go ahead, Joe. You know, I, I love these people here. Bev is me made a comment would you defend him i would absolutely as someone who was wrongfully accused and everybody was convinced i was guilty i would definitely defend him no matter how bad it looks because what i'm really defending is the constitution the law due process make and if he's guilty we'll find that out but Everyone is entitled to a defense, even when it looks so bad, it might not be accurate. And I think there is so many reasons to hate Don Wells. There's so many things that I don't like about him, but it doesn't make him guilty of this abduction or whatever else happened. He may, in fact, be guilty, but he deserves to be subject to the crucible of our criminal justice system, testing the evidence against him until there is a verdict beyond a reasonable doubt. Amen. Joe, Joe you go on. Joe, you go on any longer. I'm going to start crying. <laughs> <laughs> Phil, straight out of Brooklyn, what do you got? <laughs> Listen, I'm okay with Joe saying he would defend Don if he were to be arrested or any defendant. I've had cases where I had a good rapport with defense attorneys where, you know, we finished the case for the day. We went and sat in a bar and had a drink. We didn't discuss too much about what was going on, maybe stuff that already happened, but without getting into either each other's uh, way on a case like that. And then I've had defense attorneys that followed me into the bathroom on a recess on a triple homicide and starts telling me, you know, my client didn't do it. I mean, totally unethical. So there's, there's both sides of the fence. I think that the criminal justice system that we have in the, in the United States is the best in the world. There is obviously some issues with it at times. I said OJ the last time. I'll say it again. That's an example. But for the most part, we're okay with it. Um, Dave, I'm just so happy to be in the company of everyone here tonight. Uh, you guys do great work. Thanks again. And uh, I'll kick it to you, Dave. 
I appreciate that, Phil and Joe. Um, thanks for the grilling. Uh, that was he's a good witness. <laughs> you know, you know, Dave. We, even though this is a very serious matter, you have to have some laughs too. You well, know, you the grocery, yeah. you're going to go absolutely insane. Um, yeah. But but here here's the here's the bottom line, guys. We can sit there and we spend an hour and twenty seven minutes so far and some change. Um, going over Don and Candace, but the the real thing, the real story is here, fellas, and, and, and out there is 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 Little Summer Wells. I mean, that's bottom line is is we still have a five year old that is still missing uh, that needs to be found, uh, and with the good Lord willing, um, I'm willing to go back down there. I know my team is fighting at the bit to go back down there. Um, and, and all it takes is a someone to pick up the phone, uh, dial it. And let's lock and load. Let's not give up on this girl. You know, not when there's people out there that that give a damn and uh, and she still needs to be found. So let's not lose focus. We can sit there and talk all night about guilty, not guilty, emotions, shit like that. But the bottom line is, guys, we've got a five-year-old girl that still needs to be brought home. Dave, you know something? You're 100% correct. And that is, that is the bottom line is that we all hope that she could still be found alive. It's been 55 zero days since she's been reported missing. And that, of course, is the goal of everyone in law enforcement, everyone in EquiSearch. And, um, I mean, you know, you hit it on the head. I just want to thank all you guys for coming on this show tonight. Phil Grimaldi, straight out of Brooklyn. <laughs> Joe Murray, straight out of the courtroom. <laughs> and, of course, David Rader, straight out of Ohio. You guys, are, I mean, look. We got to go out drinking some night. We'll have to go to a, a mutual state somewhere in between Ohio and New York, though, right? Or maybe, or maybe like to me. Uh, like or maybe, or maybe we could go uh, and help you on a search one day. I, I would love to do that. I really that would. would. Be phenomenal. That would yeah. absolutely be phenomenal. If I ever get up into that area, you, 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 you bet your your butt that I'll. Uh, I'm making four phone calls, and, and three of them are here, right here, and the other one just probably went to bed. So <laughs> that's, that's great. So, Folk, folks, thank you so much for listening tonight. I know this is a, a New York accent. Some of you do like it. I, everyone loves Phil Grimaldi, and then they love David Rader. You know, Dave's a handsome guy. Joe Forget Murray. Um, yeah, no, no one said, hey, Bill's cute. I don't know. I, I, you know, everyone said, why? You could throw one my way, you know? But that's, that's all right. I'll, I'll survive. Anyway, I'm Bill Cannon from Police Off the Cuff on behalf of Phil Grimaldi, Joe Murray, and David Rader. Good night, everybody, and thanks for listening. Stay safe, everyone.